It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad. We are still looking for a goal between the Flames and the Maple Leafs. Thirteen and a half minutes left in the third. Toronto is out shooting Calgary twenty nine eighteen. Another good showing from David Riddick, who got the shutout a couple of days ago. First Flames goalie. Well, first Calgary Flames goalie to ever get a shutout in Toronto. The last goalie playing for a team called the Flames. 1977, Eve Belanger got a shutout in Toronto. Flyers lead the Rangers 4-2 early in the third. Lightning shut out the Hurricanes 3-0. Two good teams going at it there and a rare loss from the for the Florida Panthers who are doing very well this season. They are beaten 3-0 by the Dallas Stars. Uh, Ducks and Coyotes just underway. Same deal with the Wild and the Avalanche and the Kings and the Blues will drop the puck in about half an hour. Tomorrow, of course, we have... The Oilers and the Canucks on 6.30, Chad. 6 o'clock for the face-off show. The game will start at 8. The Montreal Canadiens tomorrow will visit the Winnipeg Jets. Dominic Ducharme will make his coaching debut for the Habs as Claude Julien fired today. And for further discussion, a man I'm very grateful for coming on the show because it's after 9 in Montreal and uh, I can speak from experience on a day when there's a coaching change. It's generally a very busy day for members of the media. So Eric Engels from Sportsnet.ca, I'll try to make this like it's, uh, you know, a break. You know, like, uh, remember SCTV? Every show started Thursday at 9, so we'll pretend this is an SCTV show Wednesday at 9. Maybe make it a little entertaining. Sound fair? <laughs> Sounds good to me. <laughs> How are things there today? I mean, I'm sure all the Canadians fans are, are level-headed and uh, and uh, sober about this move today. Uh, I'm sure they are also. And by the way, I don't mind speaking after nine. I don't sleep during hockey season, so I wasn't planning on getting much tonight. Uh, I will admit I'm a little regretful that I went to bed at 3.30 in the morning yesterday. Um, I did have some inclination, not necessarily that Claude Julien would get fired today, but that it was certainly headed in this direction. I think if you got a glimpse of what I wrote last night at sportsnet.ca, um, the evidence was kind of mounting. So it's been an extremely busy day. Uh, it's not over, and you're not the last people I'm speaking to, so don't feel bad. Okay, okay, good. Well, I do like having you on the show because uh, you're very knowledgeable and very well-spoken about what's going on in the Canadians. Okay, but give me give me and everybody else, if, if they didn't see it, the, the Coles notes of, uh, of that column and why maybe this wasn't a shock for you when it broke this morning. Yeah, you know, it's... Look, the, the Canadians have lost six of eight games. There have been some disturbing trends in their play uh, after getting off to a 7-1-2 and two start in a season where the expectations were already high to begin with, with all the moves that Mark Bergevin made. And, you know, when you see that the power play has gone one for 21 uh, and, and that it's been a problem for three years straight, despite the fact that some pieces like Tyler Foley and Josh Anderson were brought in to solidify or at least make it a little bit better. You know, I don't think they were under any illusions that it would be a top five power play um, without an Austin Matthews or a Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl or a Elias Pedersen. But 
20th is not good enough. Um, 22nd on the penalty kill with the personnel they have is uh, ludicrous. It's it's that's that's a major problem. And when you see them, as Mark Bergevin put it today, running around with their heads cut off in their own zone, uh, or at least appearing that way, not literally doing that, um, that's problematic. And when they're taking the second most penalties in the league and not drawing very many as one of the fastest teams in the league, which I don't think anybody outside of Montreal would debate. Um, that's a disturbing trend that's continued from beginning of the season to now. And, and when you start losing games hand over fist and those trends persist, regardless of the fact that the Canadians probably should have won in Ottawa last night and were robbed of a goal that Brendan Gallagher scored that, uh, you know, he made his thoughts known on and was quite justified in what he said that he had enough time to, to reset after being uh, on the floor of the crease and, getting jumped and then standing up and tipping a puck that Matt Murray should have had enough time to reset after some contact with Gallagher in the crease. Um, I thought that was a pretty good case that he made. I, I made it myself before he even said it. And yeah, you know, even in spite of that, like the Canadians trends continue to be troublesome ones. So, uh, you know, the writing was on the wall for Claude Julien here and Mark Bergevin said today he wanted a new voice, a new energy, uh, behind his bench, and he's got one now in Dominic Ducharme. Regardless of the fact that Ducharme's been here for the last two years, um, he hasn't had the type of input anywhere near it, actually, that he will now. Yeah. Okay, and I, I want to talk about Ducharme, but let me ask you your sense of A, from the fan base, and perhaps B, from the, the few people in the organization higher than Mark Bergevin, how much criticism is is he taking? Because ultimately, he made some big moves, and he's the guy that assembled most of the roster. You know, I really don't know because a we're very disconnected from the fans beyond what we catch on social media. And I think I've come to learn, despite having a large following there, that it's not necessarily representative of how everybody feels. Um, and typically, the people that I do hear from are kind of the unsilent minority you know what i mean there right. are people that like to have their voices heard but not necessarily the, the pensive uh thoughtful type so i can't really say i i do know that there is a level of you know impatience in the bergevin era but all of that said you know if you took a poll of canadians fans coming into this season after the moves that he made uh, if you polled National Hockey League executives, if you went across each province, if you went to each market in the NHL and said, what do you think of the work Mark Bergevin did from the bubble to the start of the season? I think the general consensus, a large one, in fact, a massive majority would have said that he did some incredible work. And then you see the start of the season and you see that Josh Anderson has, I think it's nine goals, and he's playing like a freight train, and Joel Edmondson's leading the league in plus-minus, or at least was up until a couple of games ago, if he's not anymore. Uh, Tyler Toffoli has 12 goals in, in uh, 18 games. Uh, Jake Allen has a 932 save percentage. Like, let's face it, uh, you know, this guy has deserved whatever criticism has come his way uh, in the past. Uh, he also deserves the praise that he got in the offseason. He put together a team that I think we all can probably agree is better than what they've shown over the last eight games. All of that said, you know, take it away from the fan base and what I think is the general consensus across the hockey world. Um, he's got an owner above him that spent over $100 million in the, in the offseason, not counting kind of the, uh, the entry-level deals. And 
that pressure is on. And if for whatever reason this move with Dominic Ducharme doesn't work, I think that would that would probably spell the end of the Bergevin era. So the Canadians have to right the ship. They've got to make the playoffs. They've got to be a team that could potentially do some damage there once they get there. That'll come down to health and all that stuff. But you know, they have what it takes. I believe they're a much better team than what they've shown over these eight games. And I can't wait to see if Dominic Ducharme can uh, get out his tool belt and, and get to work. So, I mean, he was, uh, he coached in the queue. He, I, I believe he won a silver and a gold as the world junior head coach. What do you expect him to bring that Julian and Muller, I suppose, weren't bringing? I don't really want to speculate um, because he was so um, not, forthcoming in terms of strategy uh, i do believe you know he's an offensive specialist but he's not someone who's going to sacrifice defense to find offense i think one of the things that i would anticipate him addressing specifically is um from the dots and in in the offensive zone too much of the canadians offense and the way they try to generate it is from the point that's something that i kind of tackled as an issue a couple of weeks ago as these trends were starting to present themselves that were negative and something that didn't change under Claude Julien that I think will be one of the first things that Dominic Ducharme looks at. And one of the reasons for that is because that's what Bruce Cassidy did with the Bruins when he took over for Claude Julien. And, you know, since then they've been the, or, or since the, I guess the, the first full year with Cassidy as coach of the Bruins, they've been the sixth most offensive team in the NHL. So I think we could see something there. Uh, Ducharme mentioned something about, how he'd like to see the puck carrier more supported, um, give the puck carrier a bit more more options and, and a way to have everybody work more together, more cohesive kind of effort on the offensive side of things. The power play is going to get a boost with Alex Burroughs coming in and, and having his input on what happens there as, as an assistant coach. That's going to be his main area of focus. Uh, the penalty kill is going to run exclusively under Luke Richardson, under Ducharme's supervision. It better be something a lot better than what we've seen. It's perplexing, as I mentioned before, how bad it's been at 22nd in the league. There's just They have seven shorthanded goals. It's, it's not like they do everything bad. Uh, but when they're in their own end, I can't really put my finger on what it is they're trying to accomplish there and it's it's just so confusing so i think that's going to change but those things the special teams in particular could take some time to, to to set in so ducharme because this move was made with 36 games left on the schedule has a bit of time but he doesn't have a lot of it and the canadian schedule is jam-packed they they don't have more than two days off for two months uh, and and he's going to have to really be smart about how he manages practice time and video time and incorporates these new ideas and gets them going quick enough so that the Canadians can benefit from him. Okay, so to be clear here, Ducharme's the, the interim head coach, so do we see how it goes? And, and I should remind everybody, Mike Babcock's two years at the University of Saskatchewan <laughs> coming up. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not sure who you'd be reminding of that, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't think uh, – well, let's, let's not even go there. Uh, Dominic Ducharme is being given, you know, the opportunity of his career, and he will be there between now and the end of the season. There won't be another coaching change uh, under Mark Bergevin. But the fact that he was given the interim tag, you know, tells me that ownership wants to see how it goes. He's a, he's a rookie coach. Um, and also that – ownership wants to see how this whole thing goes I, you know if for whatever reason it doesn't work and Ducharme can't pull them out of this with the expectations they have and the money that's been spent 
you know, I, I think that would spell the end of the Mark Bursman era in Montreal. And I, I think you would want a new GM who's coming in to choose who he wants to be his coach, whether that's Ducharme or somebody else. So there's a lot of reasons why the interim tag makes sense right now. But Mark Bergevin was unequivocal in saying that Dom Ducharme is 100% his guy and that he believes in him and that he's confident in him. And he, you know, I, I honestly, look, uh, I know we've seen two versions of the Canadians this year. Uh, I, I know this team quite well, and I know what they're capable of. I believe they're not necessarily as good as they showed at the beginning of the year where they were scoring five goals a game. But I do believe they're much closer to being that team than the one we've seen over the last eight games. Okay. Well, I mean, this this is the fun thing about the North Division. The, the storylines are more tightly intertwined in this country than ever before. So uh, we'll see if they can stay in that uh, in that top four. I mean, right now, it's kind of, there's kind of three tiers. It's Toronto, then it's Winnipeg, Edmonton, and Montreal, and then it's Vancouver and Calgary and Ottawa. That's kind of how it, it's looking right now. Maybe Edmonton has it. Edmonton might have a chance to reel in the Leafs a little bit here starting on the weekend. We'll see how it goes. Maybe. Uh, I would suggest that if Montreal is a team that is underachieved in the last eight games, uh, Calgary is a team that's underachieved since the beginning of the season. And um, I don't think it will be all that long before they're in this conversation. Uh, I think the Flames are a much better team than they've shown so far, a much deeper team than a lot of the other teams in Canada at every position. And I know people in Edmonton might not want to hear that, but (laughs) I think if you're pointing at one team here that that can do a lot more than they've shown so far it's that one no actually i think a lot of people in edmonton w- would agree with you and i think a lot of people in edmonton me included were surprised the flames were were relatively lifeless in the two battle of alberta games uh, over the weekend and they've they have not been scored on by the maple leafs in almost two full games now so we'll see how that one goes eric it's always great to talk to you man uh, thanks for uh joining us as your your busy day continues but i know you love doing it we'll talk to you down the road man take care thanks for having me take care that is Eric Engels, covers the Montreal Canadiens for sportsnet.ca. So as he was telling you, he could kind of see something coming there with the way it had been, it had been going for Montreal lately. So Claude Julien is out. Kirk Muller is out. Dominic Ducharme becomes the interim head coach. And Alex... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Burroughs joins the coaching staff. It is 20 after 7. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chet. minutes and 20 seconds left in Toronto no score between the Flames and the Leafs but my goodness the shots on goal are 36-19 for Toronto so David Riddick having another big outing in the Flames net we'll see if he can get him a point or two out of this game uh, I know uh, I saw some stuff on social media Oilers fans con- conflicted who to hope for in this series but like I said earlier if uh, the Flames were to win in regulation 
and Edmonton were to win tomorrow, they're just two points behind Toronto with uh, three games coming up against the Leafs. It's fun. It's fun watching the standings this year for sure. The Certainteed Hotline is seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Certainteed professional grade building materials, pro all the way. Chris has given us a dingle tonight. Chris, Chris thanks, thanks a lot for calling. Go ahead. Hey, Reed. Yeah, you were. Uh, oh, by the way, uh, Calgary just scored. So. Oh, they did. Yeah, okay. FYI. <laughs> um, uh, you 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 were sort of not asking a question, but just making comments about what the change was potentially for the Oilers, and what what was the exact time? What was the record of the Oilers when Mike uh, when Smith came back? Because uh, to me, that guy is just—he's got so much energy and drive, and I just feel like the the team has played way better in front of him. And I think even in front of Koskinen now, because I think Koskinen is better since he came back as well. Uh, were they not four and seven when Smith came back? Yeah. Does that sound right? Yeah. Just double checking here. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So they were three and six. Then they got up to six and six. Yeah, this, yeah, they were six and seven when he came back. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So their record then is pretty darn good since he's been here. And so, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think I think that's a huge, huge thing for the Oilers. And uh, and uh, I don't know. Even though Koskinen, I don't think played that bad at the start of the year, but. But uh, I just think the confidence level is completely different with Smith in the net. Yeah, I think I think you're right. And, I mean, he's doing it physically. I don't know if you heard last week. I interviewed a, a development coach, Adam Francilia, that he worked with in September and October because he wanted to be better than ever at the age of 38 and 39. And he does add energy and confidence to the team, I think, just with his personality and experience. Now, you still got to go out there and play. But I do think he has an impact on the overall attitude of the team. I will grant you that for sure, Chris. Cool. All right. Well, I appreciate your show. And, uh, yeah, hopefully they uh, – I'm unfortunately yeah, – well, a lot of people would say I'm a Leaf fan, and so I don't like to see them losing. But I love the Oilers, and uh, I'm hoping for a Leaf-Oiler uh, Canadian, uh, I don't know, final as far as their division goes. So. Well – yeah, the playoffs are going to be incredible. Uh, Leafs just pulled their goalie here with two minutes left. Thanks, Chris. That is Chris on the Certainty Hotline. What's ahead for Tiger Woods? Grant Fedorik next. Overtime just underway in Toronto. So, yes, while we are in break, the Leafs tied at Nylander on a crazy goal mouth scramble at 18.32 of the third, not long after Mangiapane had scored the game's first goal at 16.33. So one nothing Flames and Maple Leafs, they are in overtime. Late in the third, Phillies up 4-3 on the Rangers. In the first period, Minnesota leads Colorado. one nothing Zuccarello, the goal there. No score in the first between the Ducks and Coyotes later. Well, come up in a few minutes, Kings and Blues. Lightning beat the Hurricanes 3-0. Florida loses at home to Dallas 3-0 the final there. Oilers in Vancouver tomorrow on 6.30, Ched. The face-off show will start at 6. The game will start at 8 as the Oilers try to make it 
five wins in a row. They've won 10 of their last 12. Okay, so the UCLA Medical Center put out uh, some information last night, and it was on the Tiger Woods Twitter account as the Leafs win it in overtime, a minute six in. Nylander scores. He also got the tying goal. Mr. Woods suffered orthopedic injuries to his right lower extremity that were treated during emergency surgery open fractures affecting both the upper and lower portions of the tibia and fibula bones were stabilized by inserting a rod into the tibia. Additional injuries to the bones of the foot and ankle were stabilized with a combination of screws and pins. There was also trauma to the muscle and soft tissue of the leg that required surgical release. Uh, That's some of the medical terminology. Some of that probably makes sense to you. Some of it might have you scratching your head. So to elaborate... We have Grant Fedorik from Leading Edge Physiotherapy, and he and I have had several uh, golf-oriented discussions over the years, many of them centered on Tiger Woods. Grant, thanks for coming on the show. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, Thanks, Reed. Well, we appreciate you chiming in on this. Um, From what you read there, and I know obviously you've been following this as close as anybody. Yeah. I mean, it's it sounds it sounds really really bad. Like it sounds like multiple fractures, just damage, pretty much everywhere to the right leg. What are you, what are you making of all that? Yeah, just to explain it for people, uh, comminuted fracture means he shattered. It was broken in in many directions, not just a clean break. And an open fracture is a compound fracture, means it, it was exposed to the world through the skin, sadly. And that puts a big risk to him, as a matter of fact, a risk of infection and, and especially infection, because now it's exposed to you know, clothing and any debris that would have been around, and he was obviously in the woods, so there's a big risk there. So they would have spent a lot of time debriding, sterilizing the environment, and he'd be on a considerable amount of antibiotics trying to prevent that infection. And then what they did is they inserted a rod. The rod that they're talking about, there's a canal in the middle of your bone that carries the blood flow for the for the bone and essentially it's also a great place that they can put a rod down it and fixate and kind of put things back together so if it sounds like carpentry it is it's very complicated um, carpentry done in a surgical suite of course and then pins and screws to fixate some of the fractures in his foot Um, I mean the 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 what I'm reading talks about a lot about the fracture but you know, there's so much more would have happened in that accident to this gen. I, number one, you know, I'm a huge fan. So uh, as concerned as anybody and most most important, I'm glad that he survived and we've got Tiger Woods to hear from for years. But um, a lot of the other injuries that we are yet to find out about, uh, including the fasciotomy. And what that means is his, he had so much pressure built up because of the trauma to the leg. And there's something called compartments in your shin area. And it's com- com- it's held together kind of by this, call it think of it like cheesecloth, but it, it's firm and it doesn't allow the expansion. So if there's a lot of expansion, that pressure can put direct pressure on the nerves. It can put pressure on the muscle in the area, the vessels in the area. And so what they did is they released that by cutting that tissue and allowing it to have somewhere to go essentially. And that's what they were talking about, about the fasciotomy. So very important. But again, okay. I, I think I, I've been taught. I know I, I told you lots to unpack here. <laughs> well, no, there there is, and sorry, I didn't I didn't mean to c- cut you off. I thought I was detecting a, a pause, but that but that's okay. Yeah. okay I'm going to ask a possibly stupid question, but I, I want to ask it because sure. uh, you know you get texting with, with with buddies when something like this happens. Yesterday, w- would have amputation ever been a concern with this type of an injury? 
Um, they, the surgeons are amazing. Orthopedic surgeons can do amazing things to put this back together. You wouldn't believe some of the things I've seen put back together. So where, where amputation is a concern at this point now is that infection. So if in fact he gets bone infection and they're unable to control the infection, what that can lead to is what we call osteomyelitis or osteonecrosis. The bone can actually start to die and other things can happen because if it gets infected, it can put a person's life at risk. And so in that circumstance, perhaps, but let's not go there. Obviously, let's hope okay. that uh, and believe that he was in very, very good hands and they would have done everything to put him back together. So, you know, if they got that infection and everything they can do to kind of control and make sure that it doesn't happen, but you can't predict that. So certainly it's still a risk out there to him for sure. Okay. All right. So here's the here's the big question. What's the recovery? I, I mean, maybe we shouldn't. Do, do we even do we even worry about playing golf? Do we just worry more about him walking normally someday? Yeah, I think that's a big question right now. And and I was talking about the other injuries. He's he's got a history of a disc problem in his neck, as an example. Uh, he just underwent surgery in his back, and that's five surgeries later. So if you can imagine the amount of trauma that he faced with his legs, you can just take that a step further and say, well, what else has he injured? And the first thing they do is they have to stabilize him medically and that's deal with the fractures that they are looking at. But yet he's, we're yet to find out what more happened in that accident. When you roll a vehicle like that and that kind of catastrophic accident is going to lead to other problems. So I can I, I mean, I think when you look at athletes of this nature and uh, the motivation that they've got, the strength, the stamina, and everything that they've got going for them, then you can't you can't say it won't happen. That's for sure. But he's also 45 years old, and you know he doesn't have use on his side and those amazing healing properties that we had back in our in our days so you, you know look at something like this and you you hope for the best but i mean maybe the best case scenario is he gets to play some rounds with charlie at some point and walk his daughter down the aisle i don't want to sound you know i don't want to make this sound very dramatic but it is a dramatic in, this was a, a very severe injury severe injuries he's facing and the recovery is long he's going to be non-weight he'll be non-weight bearing for at least two months um plus before he's even starting to put weight on that leg. And Reed, one of the things I always talk about is they're putting the bones back together, but when, when there's no weight on a limb, the amount of weakness and the amount of stiffness that forms in all of the joints. Remember, he's also had surgery on his left knee five times, and he's had Achilles problems. So he's looking at a lot of different things that uh, he's going to be facing in his rehab over the next year. And I'd even say it wouldn't be unreasonable to talk about this being like 18 months plus of rehab. So, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Grant Fedorik from Leading Edge Physiotherapy joining us today on Inside Sports uh, talking about the uh, the Tiger Woods crash, the injuries and the recovery that he's facing. Did you watch the HBO documentary from about four or five weeks ago? Oh, you, absolutely. You should know that about yeah. me, Reed. I mean, well, I, I was pretty I was, sure. Uh, I was watching it when it came out. <laughs> I, I was pretty sure you would have watched it. I just I just didn't want to put you on the spot and, and, and assume. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, and you and I are both fascinated by woods you might be a little bit more of a fan whereas i i was more of a just like let's see what he can do who can challenge him along the way but we both certainly appreciated him i mean it was an interesting documentary because you know there's i think there's a dark side to the relationship with with the dad and i know a lot of people aren't going to like the way tiger you know behaved with his with his wife and the affairs and and stuff like that what, what did you think of that documentary 
You know, I, I've got a lot of res- more respect for him coming out of it, to be frank. Um, I, and you know I am a fan, but I certainly had concerns with, and we're talking non-medically here, obviously, how he carried himself through those years, being a big fan of his and kind of holding him to high esteem. But that being said, putting it into a big picture and seeing some of his the history and some of which you know, but then they put it in that light, you kind of say, well, you know, really... Um, the way he is or who he is, it's all, a, it's all a product of how we're raised a lot of times and really impressed me that he's uh, been able to achieve and do what he's been able to do with some of those kind of things that went on in his upbringing. I think others might not have done the same thing. So, uh, I, you know, it, it's tough because I've had my ups and downs and I've been dis- very disappointed at times, um, mostly mostly wishing that he'd just look after himself <laughs> and especially well, his st- body. Yeah. Well, the, the the stuff with going because I because I read the Hank uh, uh, the Hank Haney book, The Big Miss, mm-hmm. yeah. and that's when I first kind of realized like he was he was like doing full on military exercises that could yeah. have ended his career. Like he, yeah. he was he was in an odd place there mentally for a while. Yeah, and it's interesting because if you actually hear how he's been interviewed, he's been asked what's the thing he regrets and or that he might have done different. And one of the things he talks about is he wouldn't have run as much, you know, as an example. And so that to me is he, he's kind of clued in on the fact that he's put his he, golf was his career, but he kind of put himself through things that might have been unnecessary and, and er, you know, led to earlier wear on his body than what uh, – he might have otherwise i mean you go through navy seals training and and decide that's the direction you're gonna go i mean i know a few guys here in edmonton that went through it and it was a very it was a boot camp versus what he was doing and i'll tell you the training that they went through to get there was astronomical and the injuries they kind of went through getting to the boot camp let alone going through it so um i can speak to that just a little bit and say that what he put himself through was nothing short of uh very uh aggressive training yeah especially if we had another profession that we were one of the best in the world at right sure. yeah, and, and, you, and i say this and, uh, and this is kind of uh, an allusion to like what we fa- what we, we saw connor mcdavid go through you know that, those athletes they've got another level and it's one we don't understand, and I'm not going to pretend to. Um, but but because of that, they've also got this drive and this motivation and also this body that can. And this is why I, I would say you can't count him out. Certainly, I, I would never do that because he's proven even myself wrong. Five back surgeries, I'll tell you, I was a naysayer too. Uh, standing there at that Masters in 2019, there, there, I was one of the ones that couldn't believe it because – you know, I have patients who go through five back surgeries and we're just happy to have them being able to enjoy watching a hockey game of their kids sitting in the stands, let alone performing at that level at the Masters. So, um, I mean, hopefully the, the GOAT here, the greatest of all time, is able to, you know, just overcome yet another obstacle. But at the same time, as a human being, I just want him to come through this and able to enjoy the rest of his life too, so... Yeah, well, we did. We did. You you did a great segment with me about being in that gallery in 2019, and really two. I mean, he won 15 majors, so they're all significant. But yeah, that yeah. win in 2019 in his 40s after all the physical trauma and the 08 U.S. Open. I mean, for all intents and purposes, on one leg. I mean, those to me are. I know we won by 12 shots and 15 shots, and in playoffs, yeah. but just from a 
the uh, overcoming physical ailments, those those last two majors are the pinnacle, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And think about 08, too, and this weighs into what's going, what he's facing now. He had a stress fracture in his left tibia, and on top of that, he had an ACL tear. Uh, both were repaired. So I, I, we're talking about somebody who's also in that accident, wasn't, you know, in the best uh, as far as what he was put back together. It's, he's in great shape, but his body wasn't in the exact uh same shape as you and me that haven't faced those kind of injuries over our lifetime so so again his recovery is going to be absolutely not simple very complicated by all of the other injuries that he's dealing with at the same time but no I, I agree with you Reed. I tell you 2008 and you, you knew what he was in and that pain and I think that that HBO special wasn't that neat to see kind of some of the comments that were made like he was told you should just go home <laughs> he's like yeah. no we're gonna I'm gonna win this thing <laughs> yeah <laughs> right yeah i know I, that's that's i'm going home yeah <laughs> I'm yeah going and, home. and again and, and i mentioned I, I mentioned there's sort of a dark side with the dad which i which i i don't feel uncomfortable calling it that but also because the dad threw everything at him as a kid you know like i love that clip where there was a family friend playing golf with them and earl kept talking while tiger was trying to swing and finally the family friend was like can you maybe let your son hit and earl's like no i'm doing it on purpose he's got to learn to block yeah. it out <laughs> yeah jingling change jingling change in his pocket right and uh that kind of you know and those i think those are less i think of the uh, things that i felt uncomfortable with in that in that video more about you know how he demonstrated how to actually carry yourself and stuff like that kind of bothered me you know how but Again, I'm not. I I look at Tiger Woods as a as an athlete. That's how I like to look at him. I like to see what he's accomplished, and I followed. And, and as a medical, as a medical person, I'm certainly astounded by some of these athletes and their ability to come back from these catastrophic injuries. It just blows me away. It gives me hope to talk to patients myself when they have these surgeries, and I say, well, you know, you're not Tiger Woods, but look at. This is what he was able to accomplish with that. Now, if you can accomplish a third of that, we're, this is a you know a great outcome here. Let's get moving. If Tiger can do that, you can do this. And so I, I often refer to him. I also talk about Tiger Woods, like you know, Tiger Woods golfs and I golf, and golf's certainly not the problem. He's just much better at it than I am. Whenever I'm talking about anything. <laughs> Uh, Grant, it's awesome to have leading edge physiotherapy involved in the face-off show again before every Oilers game. Uh, just tell us, uh, tell us where people can find you guys and how how's business. Yeah, you know we're happy to be providing a positive force here during these times and keeping people going because life is continuing on even during this COVID time. So we've got six locations, soon to be seven. So Spruce Grove is going to be opening up here in the springtime. We're pretty excited about that. And just check us out at leadingedgephysio.com. And, you know, you can bet your money I'm going to probably write a blog about this one because there's just so much to talk about with this injury. And people are asking. My, my text lines have been lighting up because everybody knows I'm a fan and, and just wanting my opinion. And, again, everybody listening out there, it's my opinion. And just kind of me sitting on the outside, giving people an idea of what he's going to be facing. But I'm cheering for him, and I hope the rest of the world is too. Yeah, awesome stuff. Grant, thanks for outlining that. Uh, you're, you're very good at explaining that in a way that, that people can understand. We really appreciate it. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show, buddy. All the best to you and your family. You bet, Reed. I love your chuckle, by the way. Your chuckle just makes me smile, so keep doing that for me, okay? Okay, <laughs> thanks for that. That's Grant Fedork <laughs> from Leading Edge Physiotherapy looking into the Tiger Woods uh, 
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Injury, and he and I were sharing some uh, reflections on his career, too. It's 7.50, Inside Sports on 6.30, Chet. Okay, good to have you tuning in tonight. So we'll take a final look at the scoreboard before we uh, hand it over to Charles Adler. It is the Maple Leafs winning in overtime 2-1 against Calgary. Dramatic end of the game. The Leafs went ahead with about three and a half minutes left. Or pardon me, the Flames went ahead with about three and a half minutes left. Nylander tied it at 18.32 of the third. Nylander won it a minute six into overtime. So the Maple Leafs beat Calgary 2-1 in overtime. Flyers get by the Rangers 4-3. Kevin Hayes, the game winner in that game, his seventh goal of the season. Chris Kreider had a hat trick for the Rangers, all three goals. He is now up to eight on the season. After the first period, the Wild lead the Avalanche one zip. Zuccarello's third of the season. Also after the first, Anaheim leading the Coyotes 1-0. Comtois has the goal there. No score about eight minutes in between the Blues and the Kings. The Lightning shut out the Hurricanes 3-zip, and it was the Stars defeating the Panthers 3-zip. Oilers tomorrow. Oilers tomorrow will take on the Vancouver Canucks. Game starts at 8. The face-off show will start at 6. Actually, busy day tomorrow, and uh, it's going to be three games in the North Division, the Canadians will play the Jets. The Flames continue their road trip to take on the Senators. Flames have a bunch of games with the Senators coming up, so possibly a chance for them to make up a little bit of ground. And that'll be the first game for the Canadians with Dominique Ducharme behind the bench as Claude Julien was fired earlier today. He and Kirk Muller let go. You know, Kirk, I, I loved watching Kirk Muller play, especially when he played for the Canadians. He was always one of my uh, favorite guys to watch. I just thought he was such a good, rugged, all round good offensive player uh as well so uh and you know he's gone through what wasn't he the head coach in carolina for a while a couple stints uh with the canadians too so he gets relieved of his duties along with claude julian so we'll see how montreal rebounds from that all right bob stoffer as oilers now from noon to two tomorrow i also want to thank again everybody who took part in 630 chet heart pledge day today the total got up over half a million dollars uh donated for the mazinkowski alberta heart institute which is just an incredible facility here in edmonton and it was it was really interesting for me to hear some of the stories from from patients and from doctors and nurses and researchers who 
all make that facility go and who helps so many people year after year. I mean, heck, I interviewed uh, a woman who had 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 a heart transplant six months ago and who had been having heart troubles since 2001 and was finally able to get that taken care of. She lived in Newfoundland, came to Edmonton specifically to be treated at the Maz, and uh, now she's on her road to recovery from having a heart transplant. Just some awesome stuff today. Thanks to everybody who got involved with that. You heard from Kelly Rudy tonight. You heard from Eric Ingalls, and we just talked to Grant Fedorik. Oilers now noon to two tomorrow face-off show at six. Thanks to Dave Campbell. He's the producer of Inside Sports. Your studio producer this evening is the one and only Kellen Kennedy. My name's Reed. Have a great night. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at six on 630 Chad.